Welcome to CC Partners, the employer's choice. We provide expert legal and strategic advice in all areas of labor and employment law. By working closely with our clients, our experienced team delivers pragmatic, proactive solutions, resolving many issues before they escalate. Get to know us better at ccpartners.ca. All right. Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Arjun Deer. I'm an associate here at CC Partners. I'm joined today on this webinar by Mike McKellen and Charles Benz. Behind the scenes, we have our article student, Daniel Yager. Um, I'd like to welcome everyone to our Lawyers for Employers webinar entitled Vax of the Future, Our Vaccination Policies, the New Normal. If you're not watching us live, you're likely listening to us uh, you know, via podcast or viewing a recording of this presentation that can be accessed on our YouTube page. This is the 25th episode in our YouTube series and the 15th episode that's centered around, you know, everyone's favorite topic recently, which is COVID-19. Today, we'll be discussing COVID-19 and more specifically, we'll be reviewing a very hot topic recently uh, within our sphere, and that's the introduction of vaccination policies. So if we can move to the next slide. Actually, just before we get started, Arjun, just want to, before we get started, want to make sure we thank uh, we have a great big turnout today, which is great. And we have a few associations who have been helping us spread the word about um, not only this webinar, but the work we're doing, helping employers get ready for uh, vaccine policies and dealing with the COVID pandemic in general in the workplaces. So I want to take a moment to recognize the Brampton Board of Trade, the Greater Sudbury Chamber of Commerce, the Berry Construction Association, and Restaurants Canada. Thank you all very much, and uh, we're happy to be working with you. So our presentation today will be comprised of the following slides. So we're gonna start with a few slides providing a brief overview of the COVID-19 vaccination and, and the rollout in Ontario and Canada. We'll then shift our focus to the recent introduction of vaccination policies, as well as the recent regulation introduced in Ontario mandating employers to introduce a vaccination policy for certain sectors. Our team will then provide some guidance on how to effectively prepare a strong compliant vaccination policy for your business. We'll then provide an update on uh, Ontario's recent announcement regarding uh, what, what we're coining the vaccine passport. Um, and then we'll conclude this presentation with a Q&A period. So I'll start us off. So if you recall, you know, Ontario began administering the Pfizer vaccine uh, to any eligible residents back in December of 2020. Feels like a lifetime ago, um, because it almost was, right? Uh, we were in the beginning of the, the rollout and now we're almost back to normal in, in some sense, uh, though we're not all the way there yet. And I remember at that time, it felt like, you know, we were falling behind, we we're lagging a little behind our neighbors of the South, but um, it's still fairly impressive that the first viable vaccines came out, you know, just nine months after the pandemic was declared. It's really a feat of modern science and uh, I guess how the whole world worked together to come out with that of the vaccine. But ironically, this rapid turnaround and the development of this vaccine is likely the leading cause for some of the uncertainty we're seeing um, among people who don't wanna receive the vaccine, right? They, they question the, uh, the efficacy of this vaccine and the long-term effects that they believe uh, have not been uh, tested to their uh, satisfaction. But from what we understand, as of early 2021, Health Canada's approved vaccinations are widely considered to be safe, effective, and they're readily available. Um, and what this has allowed is for vaccination rates to actually shoot up in recent months. For instance, as of today, September, September 2nd, 2021, a staggering 83% of Ontarians aged 12 or above have received one dose, and over 76% have received two doses. So now that three-fourths of adults in Ontario have been administered a full vaccination, this has in turn allowed employers to reasonably start looking towards uh, implementing a vaccination policy for their workplaces that you know, may mandate a, a vaccination or provide options uh, if, if you don't have a vaccination at all. So now I'll turn it over to Charles to get to kind of lead the introduction a little bit more as well. Sorry to interrupt again, just before we do, uh, again, we have, you know, 91 participants, which is awesome. Anybody who has a question, please make use of the Q&A tab on your screen and uh, submit a question to the panelists and we will try to address uh, the questions that we can during our Q&A session. Thank you, Mike. 
Okay, thanks, Arjun. Uh, welcome everybody to this afternoon's webinar. So I'm going to deal kind of more generally with the introduction of vaccine policies, but policies uh, also generally in the workplace. I know everyone's getting sick of hearing it, except um, especially employers, and uh, we're all getting sick of saying it, but this really is kind of an unprecedented situation that we're dealing with. So unfortunately, the amount of guidance that we have to help us through this phase of the pandemic is, is somewhat limited. So um, particularly in the Canadian context, there really only are a few cases that, um, when we're talking about case law, a few decided cases that might help us take inspiration or determine what an appropriate policy might be. So just before talking about those a little bit, that being said, we do have general guidance that we look to whenever we're implementing any kind of a policy. And this guidance was developed in the context of case law in the unionized workplace, but these things really do kind of apply in the non-unionized workplace as well. The big difference really is that obviously in a unionized workplace, you have a unionized, uh, you have a union and you may be working in conjunction with them, trying to develop your policies. But um, anytime that you're trying to implement a policy, you want to be careful of the following things. And the first thing is that you have to be clear that any policy you're implementing, whether it's a vaccine policy, a vacation policy, whatever it is, has to be consistent with either any collective agreement or employment contract that might be in place already. So if you're instituting a policy and a union can point to provision that says the opposite, then that policy is probably not going to be uh, past muster. Same thing with employment contracts, although it's much less likely that you would have a provision in an employment contract that would contradict something like this. Second thing is that any policy has to be clear and unequivocal. So for example, particularly for large employers, if you have different elements of your workforce working in different work sites, and maybe some are hospitals and some are, um, you know, just construction sites with only construction, it might be reasonable to have different um, requirements for this group of employees, as opposed to that group of employees. There can be no question from an employee perspective what they're expected to do under the terms of any policy. And that's really important to make sure that policies are being upheld. Third thing, um, if there's gonna be discipline involved, which in many policies that we've been drafting and many employers are contemplating discipline in the context of a vaccination policy, that has to be spelled out very clearly. And it also has to be spelled out what the nature of any disciplinary penalty would be. So if there's a chance that someone could be terminated for failing to abide by the policy, you need to spell that out in the policy itself. And the third kind of catch-all is just that it needs to be otherwise reasonable. So things you can think about is timeframes. So it's it would probably be unreasonable to institute a policy today and expect complete compliance tomorrow. So you have to think about, particularly when it comes to vaccines and, and double doses and all this other thing, what kind of reasonable timelines are we going to have to put in there uh, for people who maybe have their first dose? They don't yet have any doses. How long are we going to give them to get vaccinated if full vaccination is what we're going to be requiring. And then basically and anything else, and it's very context dependent, anything else that might bear on the reasonableness of the policy. And that's probably going to vary sector by sector, business by business. Um, and sometimes, like I mentioned, even within employee groups within businesses. So those are kind of our guiding principles. In terms of precedents that we have available to us, um, the only ones that really come to mind that I'm aware of come from the hospital sector. There's three individual cases. Uh, they're, they're called the vaccinator mass cases, essentially where different hospitals tried to institute a policy in flu, during flu season that would require employees to either wear a mask or get vaccinated. Um, obviously, hospitals being heavily unionized, these policies were challenged. First time it came up was in BC. The employer was actually successful in that case and having the policy stand. Then it came up a little later, um, you know, 2015, 2018, twice in two different Ontario hospitals. And the arbitrators in those cases actually overruled the policies. The findings there heavily based on scientific evidence. And the arbitrators essentially said that the evidence of asymptomatic transmission of the flu and the effectiveness of masks weren't enough to justify the policy. And so they they got rid of them. So obviously the situation we're dealing with here is completely different. It's a it's a pandemic. No one's fighting how transmissible the disease is. So the, the guidance we can get from those decisions, unfortunately, is, is fairly limited. But in case of employers, it might be a good thing because in Ontario they got struck down. Um, so secondly, of course, 
you have to think about where we are now and where we've been. So policies need to be flexible. You can see the second point here, fourth wave of COVID in Canada, need to be the pandemic of the unvaccinated. We need to think about, first of all, for example, we did a, a childcare specific webinar in this case. And so in childcare, I don't think any, I don't think any children under the age of 12 have been approved for a vaccine yet. So that's that's another factor that we need to consider in terms of what does a reasonable policy look like and what different requirements are we going to need to have. Can see finally this month the government has begun taking action on this issue at all different levels. And so I think the, the federal government was the first out of the gate on August 13th saying that public servants would need to be vaccinated uh, along with air and train passengers, and that all of this would be have to be in place by the end of September. Um, their announcement was a little bit light on details. They mentioned that they were going to work with stakeholders, unions, uh, employers, other people with interests to try and get a more detailed guidance for employers and the government in that situation. Uh, as we'll see, the Ontario government has been a little bit less wide ranging and where it's going to be requiring vaccine policies, at least to date. But on the other hand, it has offered a little bit more detailed information, which some of my colleagues will get into a little later. And then the final thing to remember is that we don't have mandates across all sectors in the province that these policies need to be in place. We'll talk a little bit more about that. That doesn't mean necessarily that you can't institute a policy or that you shouldn't institute a policy. And again, this is all has to be decided on a case by case basis. And the goal, obviously, of this webinar is just trying to help employers figure out if they're thinking about instituting a vaccination. So first of all, do they need to institute one? Second of all, if they don't need to, should they? And then third, what should something like that look like? So just with a little bit more discussion about the various sectors, thank you, Mike. Um, so we can see the Ontario government followed the federal government announcement a few days later, mandated, mandating our vaccination policies in some specific sectors. You can see here, healthcare, long-term care, home and community care services, and along with uh, childcare and education. So these are the sectors that need to have a vaccine policy in place. There are not requirements in those mandates for employees to get vaccinated, at least not yet. And again, we'll talk a little bit more about that lately. The way that the government's decided to do this has differed depending on the sector that you're in. So for example, healthcare, um, they had the Chief Medical Officer of Health release a directive, directive number six, which you can find online if you're curious. And it spells out very clearly who that policy applies to and what a policy in each of those workplaces will need to look like. Helpfully, the Chief Medical Officer of Health released along with that a resource guide document, which even if you are not in the healthcare sector, it might be useful for you to, to have a look at as a resource in terms of you know, what a policy might look like, different things that you could do. Um, on the other hand, we have childcare and education, where as far as I'm aware so far, the Ministry of Education has announced their intent to regulate in this area, but they haven't necessarily released any regulations at this point. And then of course you have other governing bodies that you might have to pay attention to, like different school boards might have different guide documents or different requirements that they need everyone to apply to. So it's all stuff and the, the first step, I think, in determining whether you need a vaccination policy or what your policy is gonna look like, to have a good look at what the regulations are in your sector, in your geographical area, all that other thing. The final thing that the Ontario government has done to date is they passed a, a regulation under the Reopening Ontario Act that's kind of generally applicable that allows either the Chief Medical Officer of Health or a local officer of health to make recommendations. And we'll get into that a little bit in the next slide. And then finally, just the, the final point that I want to emphasize um, is that these mandates are not requiring vaccination necessarily for employees. They are requiring vaccination policies and what that looks like generally comes with some guidance. Okay, so on to the next slide. So this is the regulation I was talking about uh, passed on August 24th uh, by the government. And you can see here that it says any person responsible for a business organization that is open shall operate the business organization in compliance with any advice, recommendations, and instructions issued by the Office of the Chief Medical Officer of Health 
or by a medical officer of health after consultation with the office of the chief medical officer. So these <clears throat> recommendations could require the business or organization to establish, implement, and ensure compliance with COVID policy. It could set out the precautions and procedures that the business organization must include in the COVID-19 vaccination policy. So this is, this is helpful in that it appears to spread the wealth a little bit in terms of giving some power to the local officers of health to make recommendations that again, because of the passing of the regulation would have the effect of requiring businesses in those board areas to do certain things. Um, unfortunately, even though we've had some recommendations put out there by some local medical officers of health, it's a little unclear as to what the legal authority or the whether they're binding legally because of the the latter part of the section uh, of the regulation here that says that the recommendations have to be done after consultation with the Office of the Chief Medical Officer of Health. So even though we have, for example, the Officers of Health of Toronto, Peel, Halton, Hamilton, and there may well be others, they've all released regulations. It's not clear from any announcements that I've seen or any press releases I've seen whether or not that was done in consultation with the Chief Medical Officer of Health. So again, it's just another area where it'd be nice to have a little bit of clarity. But at the same time, these announcements usually come with guidance. And that's, of course, guidance that anyone can rely on when it comes to putting a mandatory vaccination policy in, if that's what you're choosing to do. Okay, and then on to the next slide. Just in terms of what some of the, you know, some of the meat on these regulations are currently. Um, so we've seen some. So the health sector it has a deadline of September 7th. So that means that the policy has to be in place by September 7th. It doesn't mean that people have to be vaccinated by then. Um, when it comes to both the childcare and health sector, they do have very similar guidelines in terms of what they're going to be requiring to be in those policies. So first is generally there are options. So first there's full vaccination against COVID. And then it's about the kind of proof that you have to provide in order to prove to your employer that you are fully vaccinated. If you don't have that, you can provide proof of a medical reason for not being vaccinated against COVID-19. Of course, we know that there are other grounds under the Human Rights Code that might have to be accommodated. That's all going to be have to assess on a case-by-case -case basis, but will need to be covered in any policy. And then finally, they offer the option of completing a COVID-19 vaccination educational session, presumably for those who don't want to get vaccinated. And then there would be requirements for testing after that. I know um, just anecdotally in speaking to some clients in the healthcare sector that some of them are going above and beyond what's in this directive and that they are requiring people to either be vaccinated or provide proof of a legitimate accommodation and they will not be accepting um, unvaccinated people and just allowing them to get tested. So it, it kind of depends. It's all gonna be context dependent just because they're doing that in hospitals doesn't mean that that would be a reasonable thing to do in all sectors, but again, something to keep in mind, even if there is a mandate that comes down that says you must have a policy and it must include this, it may act as a floor and not necessarily a ceiling. So if you're feeling particularly strongly about requiring vaccination of your employees, you may be able to go above and beyond the guidance that's provided and all that will need to be assessed kind of on a case by case, sector by sector basis. Um, and then get to the last point there. So generally they're requiring if you're allowing people to not be vaccinated or for those who can't get vaccinated, proof of regular antigen testing, getting a lot of questions about what is regular, what does that mean? And I think, again, it, it kind of depends on your personal situation. But again, we can talk a little bit more about that or uh, my colleagues can talk a little bit more about that, putting some of the meat back on that bone later on in the presentation. So with that, I'll pass it on to Mike to talk a little bit more about um, specifics. Thanks, Charles. Before we move on, and I know Danielle is busy working away on our Q&A slides, but um, Charles, I, I would like to uh, have you come back to address one question that I see in the queue, because you were talking about the uh, vaccinator mask cases in the healthcare sector. And the question that came through, do we have any cases specific to COVID-19 workplace policies yet? 
not when it comes i'm not aware of any when it comes to vaccination we do have some testing policies that have been challenged for example i, I can think of a, 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 a large construction company that instituted vaccine testing policy that was challenged and that was found to be reasonable i believe there's also one in a long-term care setting again which was found to be reasonable but nothing yet in terms of vaccination policies that i'm aware of I think what's important to know is that the analysis is the same regardless of the setting. Uh, I mean, sorry, the, the analysis is going to change in every single setting, but the kind of the, the legal test of whether a policy is reasonable um, is, is going to be generally the same. Uh, and obviously just the, just the different elements and factors apply differently based on the specific circumstances. So. That's why we can look at those H1N1 flu, um, flu season mask or vaccine cases and, and have some kind of a, an, a really educated guess on what will and will not be acceptable in terms of a employer unilaterally implemented workplace policy. Um, you know, even though we don't have the COVID-19 cases about vaccine policies yet, you know, Charles, you're, you're completely right. We do have testing policies. We do in the healthcare setting have decisions on policies for, you know, PPE. Um, so we're, we, we don't have exactly cases that are on, for, all, on all fours, but we have enough to be able to provide the right guidance uh, to our clients in this situation. And speaking of, um, the guidance has changed, uh, as Arjun was alluding to kind of at the outset. Um, I started getting questions from clients about putting in a vaccination policy basically right when we found out there was a, vac a vaccine. And, um, you know, back then the, you know, conventional wisdom in, in the law was that, well, you can't really require people to undergo uh, a medical procedure and that's still true but we just didn't have enough information about even when the vaccine would be available uh, to to all of our workers so it made it very difficult to put in a policy uh, other than you know kind of thinking about well if you're able to be vaccinated maybe we can loosen some restrictions but that even is contingent on our public health guidelines changing Things have changed in the last, you know, weeks and months. Um, you know, as Charles pointed out, this is now uh, considered the uh, the fourth wave is now considered the pandemic of the unvaccinated. We're seeing guidance from federal government, provincial government. We're seeing requirements for mandatory vaccine policies. So, what does that mean for the rest of us who are not in a sector that is required? to implement a vaccine policy. As you can see on, on the screen, not all workplaces are required to implement a vaccine policy, but you may wanna do it anyway. And uh, you know, maybe as importantly is, is to understand that you're certainly not prohibited from putting a workplace vaccine policy into effect so long as, like Charles mentioned, you're um, doing it appropriately within the, the principles we have for an employer workplace policy. Um, one thing you want to consider is whether, even though your workplace uh, may not be required to institute the policy, will you have employees who may be interacting with those sectors uh, where uh, mandatory vaccination uh, is a requirement. So, for example, do you have employees engaging in interprovincial travel by air or rail? Do you have employees who are vendors and have to go uh, visit clients in the healthcare, education, or childcare settings? Well, they would likely have to be covered by the policies indicated uh, earlier in the slides. And in that case, you may well want to consider instituting a policy of your own in order to avoid delays and ensure consistent expectations between your clients and your employees. Now, now like all things COVID-19, the situation changes quickly and often. 
So keep in mind too, you may not be required to have a vaccination policy today. Like that could quickly change. Um, it's a good idea. And, and like I said, we've been advising clients on vaccine policies for a number of months now. Um, so it's a good idea to think about what that policy would look like in your specific business. Um, and, and that really is a key point. Uh, identify a policy, identify a kind of a purpose, a scope, uh, a policy that works for your workplace. I mean, we, we help all sorts of businesses. And I can tell you right now that a swim school for youngsters is going to need a policy that is different from an office that can work in a hybrid model or can have employees working remotely. And the way you handle workers who cannot or will not be vaccinated may differ depending on the kind of sector and industry you're operating in as well. So these are things, you know, start considering these, uh, these aspects, these elements now um, and, and, and consider whether and to what extent a vaccination policy is right for you. In any vaccination policy, we are looking at really kind of eight key components. And I'll go over the list and a couple of these we're gonna talk about a little bit more comprehensively. But the first is the scope. Make sure you identify what is the purpose of the policy. Consider the risk of COVID-19 transmission or other business interruptions in your workplace. And consider how are you going to be able to avoid that? Make sure you determine who the policy is going to apply to. And, and you know, set set that out explicitly in your policy. Um, you know, it's it's likely going to apply uh, apply to employees, managers, and then what if you have contractors? What if you have visitors? And what is the extent to which you can kind of um, you know uh, fulfill your purpose by building those individuals into your COVID nineteen vaccine policy? Also think about how are you going to be able to put this policy into effect? What personal information will you need to gather to fulfill that purpose? You know, these are all things that you definitely want to set out in, a, in the scope of your policy. Definitely want to talk about what actions are required under the policy. Who needs to do what? Be specific about it. Don't leave it up to um, um, you know, creative interpretation from, from some people who may be uh, a little uh let's say let's just say non-compliant okay so what are the specific actions an individual must take according to this policy and they should include things like when and how do they provide proof of their vaccine status and, and what kind of what even what what are we defining as a vaccine status what is a fully vaccinated person for purposes of our policy what counts as not fully vaccinated for purposes of our policy to whom Will the people under the policy make their disclosures? What kind of documentation do they have to provide? And are you a workplace that is required to implement a policy with, for example, an education component for unvaccinated workers? These are all the, the kind of actions under a policy that we need to be uh, identifying uh, as early as possible to be able to put uh, a reasonable policy into place. Make sure you indicate your deadlines. Um, you know, uh, specify when the actions must be taken by the individuals covered under the policy. And likely what you're going to be putting in the policy is a requirement to disclose vaccination status, but also in order to access the physical workplace, a requirement to be vaccinated. And, you know, notwithstanding that we were told some months ago that this was going to be a one-shot summer a one dose summer um, it, things actually improved uh, more than expected in terms of availability of the vaccines and the rollouts we've all had time to get fully vaccinated as an adult so you know think about how much leeway you can give the the individuals under your policy to be able to both disclose their vaccination status and to become fully vaccinated we likely don't need to give too much leeway on on that given the availability and the rollout of the vaccine, but consider what is going to be reasonable in the circumstances of your workplace. You also want to talk about what supports are available. Share how you will support staff to get vaccinated. 
including reminding them that they have access to paid time off under the amendments to the Employment Standards Act that they haven't already uh, accessed their three days. But maybe you already have a workplace policy about uh, you know paid vacation time uh, where they can you know take a take a single day or two to get the shot and, and recover from it. Uh, or, or you know, do they have access to paid sick time so that if they're feeling ill after getting the shot, they're allowed to stay off work with pay? These, these are some things that have been kind of keeping some individuals from getting the vaccination. So the easier we can make it on them to access the vaccine, the easier it's going to be for us to uh, have people who are compliant with our policy. And frankly, the easier it's going to be for us to enforce the consequences of our policy if they do not get vaccinated. Speaking of people who can't get vaccinated or are not vaccinated, set out in your policy what the consequences are for unvaccinated workers. And you know, we'll, we'll look at this uh, comprehensively in another slide, but really what we're going to be looking at is uh, people who aren't vaccinated because they cannot be for some legitimate reason versus those who will not be due to a, let's say, a personal reason. And you really should spell out in your policy what the consequences are for each uh, of those two groups, um, which you know flows nicely into item number six, what are the consequences for uh, non-compliance? Um, so, I mean, when we're talking about unvaccinated workers, you know, we, we should be talking about how do we gather information about uh, why they're unvaccinated? And then again, number six, what is the consequence for non-compliance? Privacy considerations are absolutely vital because we are talking about people's private health information and employers do have rather onerous duties to protect their employees' privacy, specifically when it comes to health information. So make sure we have a secure way to receive the information we need. Let's make sure we know exactly what information we need and what information we don't need. We don't want to be collecting any more private health information than we're entitled to. And then what happens with the information once we get it? Uh, I've been drafting a number of uh, policies that deal with the uh, deletion of information once it's, once it's provided. And last off, the staff contact. Who can your individuals contact in the event that they have questions about the policy and how it applies and um, you know whether they may need some special uh, considerations. These are all things that ought to be spelled out clearly, concisely, and black and white in your written policy so that there is no confusion, uh, as little room for interpretation as possible, and so that everybody knows what's expected of them. So I mentioned one of the elements in the vaccination policy is going to be the actions required. And there's you know, one that, that is absolutely going to be uh, required up front, and that is disclosure of your vaccination status. And now, like I said, normally we're not allowed to ask for medical information of our employees, uh, really outside of an accommodation uh, um, process. Um, but you know the the this is a, a special circumstance, and I know we've used the phrase unprecedented times uh, a lot, but uh, it still applies. You know, a year and a half later, um, but this is a situation where we definitely need to know if we're going to have a vaccination policy in place, the individual's vaccination status, because frankly, how else are we going to know how to apply our our policy? So you know, think about how the how the vaccination status is going to be disclosed and again how do we define the vaccination status who is a fully vaccinated person common language that we're seeing in our policies that are being drafted is along the lines of somebody who has received uh, all necessary doses of a health canada approved vaccine uh, at least two weeks ago is considered to be fully vaccinated and anybody who doesn't reach meet those criteria is not a fully vaccinated person. And if somebody is not fully vaccinated, we need to know the reasons why. Is it that they just haven't had their second dose yet? Is it that they've had their second dose, but the 14 days haven't passed yet? Is there some legitimate protected reason why 
they cannot be vaccinated? Or is it a personal preference that they simply choose not to be vaccinated? Um, if, it's, if it's not a personal preference, if it is a, uh, a protected reason why they cannot be vaccinated, uh, our policy must provide a way that the individual can disclose that information. They have to be able to disclose why they are not able to be vaccinated so that we know as the employer how the policy will apply to them and what steps we have to take to deal with this unvaccinated individual. The common reasons a person will not be or cannot be fully vaccinated, uh, first and foremost, is going to be health reasons. Um, this should be this should be uncommon. Uh, it should be rare, uh, but it will from time to time happen. And as in any other situation where an employee needs special consideration due to a medical condition, we as the employer need to have appropriate medical information from them. So we need something documented from a qualified medical practitioner to explain that this individual is not able for health reasons to take the vaccine. Um, now, what I expect we're going to get uh, sometimes, maybe even most times, is a simple note from a doctor that says, for medical reasons, uh, unable to comply with your policy. Well, that's not exactly what we need. What we need to do is to understand, uh, uh, without receiving a diagnosis, but we need to understand what or how the medical condition restricts the person from applying our, or complying with our policy, what the restrictions and limitations are, to try to get some information about how we can take the next steps and have the person uh, remain a productive employee for us, notwithstanding that they can't comply with the policy. The other reason that we may see a person raised for, for being unable as opposed to unwilling to be vaccinated is uh, a religious reason. Um, it would be appropriate then uh, to get some kind of an explanation of the sincerely held religious belief uh, that is uh, that, that corresponds uh, with the person's religion uh, that that um, makes it so that they are not able um, that they have a protection uh, from being vaccinated. And again, you know that could also be submitted that could also be supported by uh, documentation or at least some uh, understanding of of the reason that the employee is putting forth. Uh, I personally would suggest that. Uh, documentation is is appropriate for um, a, a requested religious exemption um, as well as a requested health exemption. And when we talk about our uh, unvaccinated workers, then and you know, like I alluded to, we generally have two groups: people who are protected under human rights grounds, and everyone else. The people who are protected under human rights grounds, they are entitled to accommodation to the extent the accommodation is possible. Okay. Um, what we have to do then is take a look at the requirements of the workplace. Is it possible to have a person remain in our workplace and not be vaccinated? We need to try to consider that now, um, uh, you know, determine what we can expect and how we can address it and where possible incorporate that into our vaccination policy. I want to be clear about one thing. Human rights protections are defined and they are not infinite. You may hear somebody say that 
you can't force me to take a vaccine. You can't force me to wear a mask. That's my human right. That's not true. You don't have a human right to be free of wearing a mask in a workplace. You don't have a human right of not being vaccinated. Uh, you may have a protection because of a disability or sincerely held religious belief. You may have uh, general protection that you can't be forced to undergo a medical procedure. Uh, but unless you have that human rights protection, you know, consequences may follow. And the consequences for uh, an employee could be you know, pretty, pretty significant. What we do have uh, in terms of precedent is uh, a British Columbia Human Rights Tribunal decision um, of people challenging the provincial and regional mask mandates saying it is my human right to not wear a mask when i go uh you know try to try to use your business try to go to the you know a, a retail store or use a, a business workspace and the bc human rights tribunal said very clearly that is not a human right that is a personal preference if you uh, again if you have a disability uh, or something like that, then yeah, the, you know, uh, you may have an exemption to uh, a mask mandate, but again, a uh, a preference, no matter how sincerely held, is not a human right. Oops, sorry, there I just got a note that my internet connection was unstable. So what do we do when we have people who cannot be vaccinated well again we're talking about accommodations think about things like can they uh, be safely in your workspace with the appropriate ppe can they work remotely so they don't have to be in your workplace uh, and if they have to be in the workplace then kind of a popular uh, accommodation or aspect of accommodation is going to be the rapid covid testing it's a requirement in uh, some of the sectors in Ontario now. And it is certainly uh, a viable option for workplaces, even those who are not required to have a mandatory vaccine policy. That, that in some cases it will be sufficient uh, to have rapid testing as an alternative to uh, having the vaccine. And, you know, if I can be frank, a person whose uh, uh, choice not to be vaccinated uh, results in consequences that are uh, enough of annoyance to them may decide that they are better off getting the vaccine anyway so that they can avoid being tested two, three, four, or five times a week and having to show a negative test before they can come to the work site. Uh, it may be enticing to them to go get the vaccine when everybody else in the workplace is able to eventually you know take their masks off in a common space if that becomes the public health guidance and, and they can't so there are things that we can do we can never you know, require somebody to undergo a medical procedure but we can certainly put our policies in place that will encourage and incentivize our workers to our workers or visitors or whoever else to get the vaccine and you know this is the time we do have the information and the science now to say these are the appropriate circumstances to try to put these kind of policies and principles into place and i'm going to hand it over to arjun to finish up our view of building your vaccination policy thank you mike um so i feel that mike did a very comprehensive, great job of uh, kind of discussing what you need in your vaccination policy, what's going to go into it to make it compliant and uh, very effective. So I'll do a quick little overview and we'll talk about kind of what to do with people who are non-compliant. So, so when you are formulating a policy, I, I do feel that there are basically two options available for employer, employers right now. The first option is, you know, an employer can strongly encourage staff to be vaccinated. And in this option, it's obviously just an, uh, a recommendation or encourage, it's encouraging an employee. And and then in this option, you have to provide other uh, other available opportunities for something like testing, social distancing, you know, allowing work from home, 
uh, mask wearing. Uh, you need to have a bunch of different things kind of put into place that are mandated to ensure safety, right? Or you can go the trending option right now, which is imposing a mandatory vaccination policy. So which option you decide to go with, which is highly based on your preference, your comfort level, and, and your risk tolerance, really, right? But especially in the case of option two, you have to consider whether you have a bona fide occupational requirement to mandate such, such a strict policy in your workplace, right? So obviously, if you're in a medical setting or a daycare setting, like we discussed um, in our earlier webinar at 11 a.m., um, there's obviously a strong impetus for a mandatory vaccination just due to the, the regular interaction you're having with people and uh, kind of the, the safety-sensitive environment. Whereas if you're in an office setting, for example, there may be other options that exist rather than having a mandatory vaccination policy, which may make it see, seem less reasonable. So when you are considering, if you're uncertain whether uh, which way you'd like to go or which way is most appropriate for your workplace, we probably would recommend you know, a follow-up discussion with our team. Um, we could have you speak to one of the, one of the lawyers on our team and, and we could kind of walk through why you want the mandatory vaccination policy or why not and what options are available for you. So when you are uh, considering either option, um, no matter what, like I know Mike discussed this just previously, you will be faced with an accommodation request. Like there, in, in either regard, um, the, the availability for accommodation is available to, uh, to all employees. And with any accommodation request, whether it's for mandatory vaccines or, or anything else, uh, the key to your approach lies with proper communication with the employee. You wanna understand why they don't wish to be vaccinated or why they can't be vaccinated. Um, and as we've discussed previously, the only real viable justification for non-compliance relates to human rights accommodations, relating to medical conditions or uh, religious exemptions. So, and this should really clearly be outlined in your policy, which is uh, discussing um, the very few exceptions that are available to employees to be vaccinated. And when you're speaking to religion, we really don't anticipate this to be a major accommodation request. Uh, based on our research, there's only two religions that currently stand against vaccination. Um, you may have heard of them. I have not. They're called the Church of Christian Scientists and the Dutch Reformed Church. These are generally U.S.-based religions, and from what I understand, they're not widely uh, followed. So we don't really see that being a big problem or a big issue that's going to come up. The real issue you may see come up is uh, medical exemptions, right? And this is where you see requests and uh and the process that you'll follow to receive medical accommodation should really be set out in the policy as well. You know, and uh, you must also set out the options or consequences that will occur in the event that there is no reasonable justification, justification for a refusal. So if they don't fall under the two umbrellas, whether religious or medical, um, and, you, and you do want to have a mandatory vaccination policy, what will happen if they don't want to, to be vaccinated? So you can obviously consider nice options you know, allowing work from home or regular rapid testing as Mike discussed. Um, these are obviously very reasonable options that can be uh, provided to employees if it fits your workplace. But if it doesn't, um, then you need to start looking at more strict measures, more uh, serious measures like a layoff, a leave of absence, or, you know, even in the, the worst situations, you might look at a termination. So uh, these are all options that are available to you and they are all arguably reasonable. Obviously, um, you know, I haven't said it yet. I know Charles and Mike have, but we're dealing with highly unprecedented times. So uh, we're trying to stay one step ahead of, uh, of, of all the developments for your sake, but it needs to be understood that this is uh, uncharted territory and we're, we're relying on uh, case law, which is not related to COVID, it's related to other uh, illnesses. So, and we're, we're relying on the regulations that are provided and guidance provided by the government. So in our view, it's reasonable to consider really any option available to you, layoffs, leave of absence, terminations, uh, if you've exhausted everything else available at that time. So we can go to the next slide, please, Mike. So in a bit of breaking news, um, not breaking because it's a day late, but it's still very current. Yesterday, on September 1st, uh, we had Premier Ford come out and uh, he announced what, what's been coined uh, a vaccine passport. And this will be coming into force uh, on September 22nd. So we're only looking about a little less than three weeks from now. So Ford indicated that these measures were deemed necessary to keep non-essential businesses and facilities open as the Delta variant continues to fuel uh, what they're calling, and I hate to say it, but a fourth COVID-19 wave. Um, hope that doesn't come to fruition, but uh, we have seen the cases rising 
And, uh, and one thing I really liked about what the way that they're announcing or um, sharing the COVID numbers is that they're actually sectioning off um, out of these. So say there's 500 cases that come out in a day. They're saying how many of them are unvaccinated. So they're saying 400 cases are unvaccinated, um, 80 are, are vaccinated and 20 are unknown. So it's, it's very helpful to see that. Um, and we're trying not to pro provide too much of our own opinion in this webinar, our own uh, color. But um, it's obviously very nice knowing that the, vac the vaccine is working to, to some degree, a very high degree. And we're seeing very few COVID cases actually occurring among the vaccinated individuals. And they're also doing the same thing for people in the hospital or ICU. They're sectioning off who's vaccinated, who's unvaccinated. And it's providing a nice case study and uh, indication to all of us on, um, on kind of what's happening with this vaccine, what's happening with unvaccinated people, and who's really driving this fourth wave. So this new mandate requires Ontarians to uh, to show that they've been fully vaccinated, right? They must, they must provide proof of vaccination uh, along with a photo ID to access certain public settings and facilities. Their approach focuses on higher risk indoor public settings where face coverings cannot always be worn. So you can see the exhaustive list right in front of you here, but you know the notable ones that we need to look out for are restaurants and bars, gyms and sporting facilities, and, and really any type of meeting and event spaces, banquet halls, conference centers, um, large indoor facilities where, like, like they said, where you can't really always wear a, a mask. But notably excluded here that I noticed is that um, there's no requirement for proof in the retail shopping centers, salons, barbershops, banks, place of worships. So, you know, while I think this is a step in the right direction, Given some of those emissions I listed off, I'm already wondering, like, you know, is, is this measure enough, right? Is this measure going to be enough to curb the spread of the Delta variant when we take into consideration that one-fourth of adults and all children under 12 remain unvaccinated? That's still a large sect of our population, and um, there's still large areas where, you know, there, there's no proof for vaccination. So that's something you need to stay uh, abreast of that in the coming months. I know they're saying they're going to come out with a digital um, proof of vaccination um, where you don't need to pull up your PDF, but rather it's going to be an app. And we're seeing that, I think, in Quebec and other provinces as well. Uh, but maybe we'll see that this proof of vaccination, especially when the electronic version comes out, it may be uh, across the board where it's, where it's required. So uh, that's something that we'll obviously update you on. Um, but that really concludes this aspect of our of our presentation. So, Mike, we can move on to the next slide. Well, once again, we'd like to thank everybody for uh, attending this presentation of the uh, Lawyers for Employers broadcast brought to you by the Lawyers for Employers at CC Partners. The full webinar will be available on our website at www.ccpartners.ca. Just go over to the broadcast tab and you can uh, browse whichever video or if you want podcast version that you like our contact information is up on the screen right now if you'd like to contact any of us individually uh, we want to thank everybody for attending and also send out a big thanks to the organizations who have been promoting this webinar that's restaurants canada the barry construction association the brampton board of trade and the greater sudbury chamber of commerce thank you all very much uh, be sure to follow us online on social media and we hope you'll tune into the next episode of the lawyers for employers broadcast thank you very much everyone